The thing I'll say, okay, we can like we can kind of ish start now because I have a little thing to say. Yeah, go for it. Is that um, the way I was preparing for us talking with David, which you will hear in a little bit? Yeah, is that I have simply just been paying attention to Italian food t- t- TikToks, but only of two people. Um, one is uh, one of my personal favorites, the Pasta Queen. Okay, do you know her? No, is that just her name? Is that the, the, the Pasta Queen? Or? Her name on TikTok is the Pasta Queen. Okay, she's just a very lovely, like middle-aged woman who's very attractive, who um, <laughs> who makes different pasta dishes, and okay. she, I think she like lives in Rome or something like that. But oh, I think I know. What yeah. You're talking about. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 she's pretty hot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're the hot woman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I want to see. You. I want to see. I'll now. show. I'll show you. I'll show you after show the recording. Me the, show me the pasta so, queen. The pasta, yeah, the pasta queen. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, I am. I am a. Uh, you know, an uh, anti-monarchist, except for if the queen is the pasta queen. <laughs> but um, yeah. So there was her. She's great, and I love her. And to be very like, yeah. I mean, it's like very. You know unoffensive content i don't sure. i can't yeah. imagine how you'd be offended by just a beautiful woman cooking <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a similar thing where i got shown recently a, a, a tiktok account of a man from cork who just does woodwork he's brilliant i yeah, love him yeah, he's, yeah <laughs> he's phenomenal he never takes his hat off either I've no noticed. he just wears the hat constantly yeah. Yeah, a flat cap of course yeah <laughs> he's 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 beautiful he uh the other one that i've been uh, i've been paying attention to has been the random guy who just makes sandwiches on tiktok are they sure. good at least He's what? Are they good? They all right. <laughs> so this is the thing that's really funny is that they taste like. I think he the hasn't tried. <laughs> yeah, you lick I've, the phone. Yeah, exactly. I I uh, I'm licking the, the screen Chinese of my have phone. Immense technology. Yeah, you know, big <laughs> big you things are happening in China. Big yeah, shout out to Xi Jinping for my phone. Um, <laughs> the, uh, 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 so the sandwiches are incredibly plain, obviously, because people I think who have any idea about like actual Italian food is that it actually is quite plain and like it's a focus on good ingredients. Mm. The best like and the sandwiches are just like he like like does not give a shit cuts open a a, a, a bread like you know a, a thing of, of of really crusty good bread but like fucks up the cut opens it up yeah yeah just like you know throws a shit ton of meat in there like the Name freshest another Italian bread yeah right like, now the freshest cheese just like you know throws. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Spy prize at Raven. I love yeah, how yeah. you moved your hands as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Just say, just say, like, just just say Rogan broth with hand gestures. <laughs> <and> Rogan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he uh, he just lazily cuts open a, a piece of bread, you know, throws in meat, throws in like some of the freshest cheese, and that's it. There's like there's no yeah. other condiments. And the thing that I some arugula on it. Maybe. Some no nothing. Mm-hmm. Like literally, no just no. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, if you think about it, the 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 it's cow like hot cheese and a good salami or some shit. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like always different types of meat and cheese and what. But it, yes. it looks it looks it looks phenomenal. And I mean, yeah, no veggies. But you have to imagine at one point in that you know in that cow's life, it was eating vegetables of some sort. So <laughs> that counts, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. the best thing I found is Americans reacting to it. And I normally don't like dragging Americans for being fucking dumb. I mean, I do when it comes to like Europe posting because Americans like will be like, uh, 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 where's your dryer? Uh, how do you dry your clothes, mister? Uh, this has been one of the funniest things because Americans don't have the idea of like what good ingredients are. They're like, oh, he doesn't have a mustard on his sandwich. That's not a sandwich. And... There's been so much Europe posted. I don't know what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like what? Like, like I mean, you know, what kind of? Uh, uh, God, we don't have any like as astrology people on our show, do we? Do uh, any, any of us? Nope. No. No. Okay. no one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what? What? Um, what I'm tarot mostly. <laughs> yeah. There I'm more must- like a. Um, <laughs> I have a biotical themed tarot set, which if doesn't exist, I'm drawing that. <laughs> Oh, it, 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 I mean, it exists now. It, it exists, exists in, in Spatey canon. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, the the reactions of Americans have just been like, uh, 
why are there no uh, no condiments? Completely unaware of the fact that like the reason why Americans have big fat disgusting sandwiches is because their ingredients suck. Yeah. Which is something which goes yeah. back to Kieran saying the fact that he has had never had worse food in his life than when he went to the U.S. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mainly because like a lot of the stuff that I was sold about like good American food is stuff that I think Ireland does better, which is beef mostly okay, like fair. like the steakhouses was like the thing oh, i was excited beef for is running around on fields yeah like no yeah. i said a million yeah. times yeah. The, the the this grass-fed beef as like yeah. a unique yeah. selling point in america is the most terrifying dystopian shit i've ever <laughs> heard yeah. like there is only one other country i respect for raising mm. beef and that's argentina is the only thing i will hand to the argentinians there's a bad history with that country <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, like, yeah, the U.S. doesn't have particularly, like, I mean, sure, the farmer of the beef was like, yeah, my name is Juan I Perez w- von Himmler. They took in a lot of German refugees. They took in a lot of German refugees. They're such a humanitarian country. Yeah, Mike Pompeo, my, uh, my, my, my country yearns for freedom. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, yeah. Like, the, the, didn't the Mussolini's end up in Argentina? Like, yeah, Kyle was Kyo there ends for a up, bit. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he has the most normal collection of countries he's lived in. He also lived in the UAE for a bit. Is it bad that I uh, there are there are some people in my mom's family who live in Argentina? Possibly. <laughs> in your like, mom's family. What? In your mom's family? Yeah. Oh damn! Like, like literally yeah, the only. That's a bad sign. <laughs> the, the I only- have none. <laughs> yeah, I'm off the show. Um, the only like, there's there's very little good things about like people moving to Argentina. Like even the even the like Patagonian Welsh community, which I'm like, for anyone who doesn't know, Welsh the most Welsh spoken outside of Wales is in like two or three towns in like southern Argentina and Patagonia. No <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they 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 speak Welsh as a living language. It's very impressive, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then you go into the history of it, it's just like. Yeah, the Argentinian government just wanted more white people to oh replace the natives, so they're oh, like, yeah, Welsh people, sure, fuck shit. you, can speak Welsh. Wow. Like, oh. yeah, yeah, so, that's fun. <laughs> no, yeah, what <laughs> right? <laughs> what is, yeah, oh, gosh, I mean, you know, this is, this is, this is a Euro vibes show, but... I feel that we're going to end up having to do an episode about Argentina one day. Argentina <laughs> is like, a Euro Yeah, like, it is a Euro in a, in, a, in a set, like people are like, oh, the most European country outside of Europe is Canada. No, bullshit. It's no, Argentina. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's so fucked yeah. up. They have yeah. whole villages of people speaking German and shit. Like oh, yeah. Lederhosen shit. Even Kalinia Dignidad is like a whole episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Chile. That's Chile. Chile also has some... It's very similar. All these South American countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, find me a find me a not problematic white population in in uh, in in Latin America. In the New World in general, I guess. Yeah, no, no, of course, but I mean, like we we're we're very much aware of the crimes of the United States and Canada. Oh yeah, that's a good point. And I guess I, you know maybe this is just me being from North America, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit more fun when you look in the sense that the the like. I don't know, yeah, there's like a newer, fun, exciting sense of the fact, like, yeah, okay, they had colonialism and stuff like that, but it's like, they got like a, you know, re-injection of that in the sense that then like, hey, all these people who want to keep doing that in Europe, we're going to send them over to you. Uh, uh, here's here's Klaus Barbie. Have fun with him. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, I, I, I yeah, we, we should, speaking of, uh, um, Italians, <laughs> my guess. Yeah, the, the the flash of that uh, of that gif that just says what's that? That was from a BBC documentary about a communist uh, mayor, mayor yeah, wasn't it? Just has yeah, like a big a big graphic of the word Italians just coming onto screen, and then it turns into the Italian flag. I love that gif. No way, that's great. That was from our stream, actually. Someone turned. I've actually, I think, I'm one of the only people who has seen the documentary before I saw that gif. Mm. Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man um, of culture. Yeah. Man of culture. Exactly. I know. Uh, yeah. I know. I know where every meme originates from. So uh, don't don't test me, Uma. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, are you single? <laughs> wow. Is there a Mrs. Nick? <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of traditional family values, 
Italy. Oh, that was a good one. There we go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now we're now going to cut to our interview with David about what's happening in Italy. Play the tape. <laughs> you didn't introduce us. What? Oh. You didn't introduce us. Yeah, where's the hey, hey, hey? Oh, right, that. Uh, welcome to our weekly corner, Speti. I'm your host, Julia, uh, together with Uma. Hi. <laughs> Nick. Uh, 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 buongiorno? What do they say? <laughs> and Kieran. Ciao means hello and goodbye, I think. <laughs> yeah. like, yes, it does. Like aloha. aloha. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so, uh, um, what are we doing to here today, Julia? Well, today we have an interview with, uh, Jacoby and... With Mr. Mr. Jackman himself. <laughs> With Mr. Jackman. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. I don't, I'm not prepared. I just did it. Uh, David Broder. I just wanted to say, hey, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. hey. <laughs> well. Yeah, Yulia, you've accepted this responsibility last episode. <laughs> I did not know that I have to. Yeah, <laughs> 200. I have to do this every week? <laughs> 200 episodes into it, we finally give you the. Yeah, we yeah. didn't get. I mean, you took it over from us. This is a coup. You yeah. killed Rob. Yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rob, I took over. Yeah. Absorbed yeah. his power. Yeah, Rob, you dumped into the Landwehr Canal, <laughs> and <laughs> what the hell? Well, I didn't say- do it. You did it. <laughs> Are you saying I'm a Freikorps? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, actually, enough. We're talking about Italy this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, just to get you in the mood. What's what's more uh, what's more on on character than you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 uh <laughs> ditching the left in order for you know a new fascist future yes oh, there you go yeah we're talking italy today we're talking italy yeah yeah hmm. do you want to cut the interview now i think we can cut to the interview now. yeah we can cut to yeah. the interview yeah. now yeah we're cutting to an interview with jackman's europe editor writer and historian david broder see i don't know the description of the people yeah. <laughs> mr jacobin mr. we're now going to an interview to david broder yeah. cool guy about at a party once <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how I'm going to introduce it. <laughs> and we're joined by uh, uh, David Broder, the uh, Europe editor at Jacobin. Hello, David. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And uh, um, naturally, I just, we wanted to have you on to talk about um, broadly Italy. Uh, what's up with that? What's Why is it? It seems to be in the news. Uh, um, suddenly, ever I, I remember what beginning of last year, us being told that like Draghi was a sign for stability, and then mm-hmm. oops. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, and now we're looking at new elections in what September twenty fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, can you can you explain to us as, as best you can um how this collapsed? How did we get here? Okay. Well, one of the things that was very surprising is that um. Normally, uh, Italian like political uh, commentary in, in media is always dominated by this idea of early elections. Uh, it's impossible to form a coalition. No one can agree. So the only thing is to go back to uh, voters. Uh, and this is like the normal like day-to-day stuff in newspapers, like saying, oh, we'll always have to have, you know, we'll always have to go to early elections. Uh, but this is actually only the second time it, that's ever actually happened that the elections are being held uh, early, like the parliament not going to its full term, uh, right. and uh, basically, I mean, the the parliament has already had three governments with like opposite political colours. Uh, so at first, it was like uh, basically the, the Lega far right party were pretty much dominant. Mm. Uh, then it was like centre left, and then it was all the different parties uh, except the most far right party were all together under Mario Draghi. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, there was this big uh, acclaim for Draghi when he came in in February 2021, this idea like, oh, he'll save Italy like he saved the Eurozone, Super Mario. (laughs) Totally did that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and just this like completely um, unanimous uh, agreement that this is like, you know, finally uh, we're getting away from the parties and their petty bickering. And here's this like serious figure from like outside of the party system who's going to like, you know, deliver some uh expert uh, interventions which won't be sort of clouded by politics uh and the problem with technocrat yeah exactly and the, <laughs> Sorry, and, the yeah. and the problem is is that <laughs> that has been the formula that we've seen in italy again and again and again over the last 30 years <laughs> uh 
uh, I think his was, his was the fourth uh, government with a like a, a technocrat, but also if even the ones that like five star movement and stuff, like a lot of the idea was kind of the same, like, you know, put an end to ideology and politics and we'll just have yeah. these like figures who are just like going to be good administrators and honest and then they'll make everything okay again. Uh, and, you know, once again, uh, that that hasn't happened. Well, the thing that then really, uh, you know, going back in my mind of of when Draghi was kind of called on by Brussels to you yeah. know come in and, and rescue Europe, <laughs> is that there is maybe one of the greatest moments of like Italian political posting history, which is that bizarre, uncanny valley video of Silvio Berlusconi going to Rome to like, or like him arrive, like it, uh, coming out of his uh, his house, his house like to a, go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remembered that that was for <laughs> when he was when he was coming to be like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a good patriot. I'm getting behind Draghi. We're gonna yeah, you know, do yeah. this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, you just like gave me a little bit of whiplash right there of, yeah. of, of, of the, I mean, the best Berlusconi moment of like the last like two years. It was a, it was a pretty uh, wild period from for a lot of us looking from afar, uh, um, because like there was things like what was Matteo Renzi thinking by basically like torpedoing the mm-hmm. whole government? <laughs> uh, um, I from as best as I can tell from the like polling numbers of like Italia Viva, it has not worked out in his favor. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a very strange uh, uh, period of time and. I'm not sure if this is, I, I guess this kind of leads to my next point is like, what are attitudes on the ground, like in Italy towards Draghi, like as, you know, you know, leader of Italy now, but mm-hmm. previously before in the like head of the ECB? Well, I mean, I think the um, part of the problem is it's very hard to tell because of course he's never actually stood for election to anything. Mm. So, so I mean, one of the things we always, you know, like when we publish stuff in Jacobin, particularly because obviously it's an American publication, uh, when we publish stuff saying like, oh, well, Italy has like a technocratic government, people will reply, well, yeah, but like the Italian prime minister is never elected, uh, which is true because it's like a parliamentary democracy, not a presidential one. Oh, right. Okay. That sense. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah. But, but like <laughs> Draghi has never been elected and has never run for election to any post like at all, which was also true mm. of uh, Mario Draghi. Uh, sorry, of Mario Monti, uh, who was a similarly like a European Commission uh, figure, Goldman Sachs, te- uh, Goldman Sachs technocrat who was brought in as Prime Minister in, in 2011, uh, partly at Draghi's uh, prompting, of course, as you, as you mentioned. Um, so in the media, we get this like huge initial rush of uh, acclamation. It happened with Monti too, when he came in in 2011, he was on your know, 80% approval ratings. Uh, and then he did stand for election like uh, 18 months later and his party got like 10%. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> so this time, you know, Draghi doesn't want to run for election. I think, you know, it's plausible that there could be some sort of like centrist group that claims a f- a f- some sort of affiliation to him. Uh, but I mean, in fact, mm. even the Democrats, the, you know, the, the sort of historic center-left party, uh, you know, they're basically saying, you know, Draghi's government was our own. We wanted to continue with the agenda and the irresponsible populists of Five Star or whatever, like brought it down. Um, so, sure. so I think like Draghi doesn't need to run for election because if there's just another like gridlocked parliament with no majority, then he can easily be called on again. Uh, I thought it was actually very interesting. Uh, Giorgia Maloney, the leader of uh, Fratelli d'Italia, the far right party, uh, her comments, because she basically demanded that the government should resign. We should go to early elections, uh, you know, the last few weeks. Uh, and then, and then the day after uh, Draghi did resign, in, in fact, the same evening, it was she was on uh, uh, TG Due Post, uh, like a TV chat show, and she said basically, like, well, the only way to understand what Draghi is doing is that he knows uh, better than us how screwed the economy is. So he's thinking, well, I can step aside, everything will go to shit in uh, autumn with the, you know, the energy crisis and stuff. Then he can come back a few months later on and say, oh, this would never have happened uh, if I hadn't gone if i hadn't been ousted uh so i felt she was like very much getting in her excuses early there uh considering that she's uh, quite likely to uh, lead the uh, next government sure oh hell yeah wow um yeah that was the thing actually kind of going through my head of when because this all kind of like you know stumbled out of control pretty quickly it seemed like i mean even if you're like paying attention at least is at least from my perspective like you know kind of not like like super you know glued into italian politics but mm-hmm. have like a general idea of like what's going on on the ground we've covered them on the show 
you know, relatively frequently during COVID, especially. Mm. Um, but the sense that then that I, yeah, exactly that of like how much of the blame is like Jaggi going to get from this? Because immediately the first thing that then I saw were op-eds from like FT economists, whatnot being like Jaggi needs more than words to save Italy, which was like obviously <laughs> talking about his only famous thing that he ever did, which was, his stupid ECB comment of whatever I don't uh, the mm. what is like the do if whatever you it build takes. it they will come yeah that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow but, I gotta get it to finish yeah. first <laughs> first you must finish yeah so I mean yes, exactly <laughs> yeah but but I mean part <laughs> of the thing part of the thing is that Draghi's government was actually surprisingly uh, inactive I thought like uh, I mean of course like it was basically mainly brought in uh, in the name of you know uh, allotting the uh, European uh, resilience and recovery. Uh, funds uh, and so there was this program you know which has a, mm. a certain amount of like whatever like digital and green transition and these kind of things and then the parties that were in the coalition you know they were there to get stuff for the regions they control basically i mean that's the important thing is that in italy you have these regional governments which are very powerful which control like the health service on a regionalized basis for instance and which like are in charge of like big public projects so it made sense for the parties to be in the government but then basically the dynamic of the government was that you had uh, parties of pretty different uh, agendas and each of them knowing like there was bound to be an election by next spring so it made sense for them to each try and kind of push themselves forward and to cause tension so even though it ultimately the five-star movement was the one that brought it crashing down um even like Renzi's party, which is very small, Italia Viva, uh, had mm. like voted like against the justice reform only like a month ago. Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, so I think with Italian politics, I mean, the thing is, it's the general rule is like a lot of like conflict appears to be happening on the surface, but often like really not very much is actually being done or or, or changing. Uh, and I mean, in in um. Uh, in 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 this case, I mean, I mean, part of the thing with you know when the government was about to collapse, basically no one could tell. Like on the day yeah. that it actually did fall, that you know he effect, you know effectively when the the Lega and Five Star said they wouldn't give confidence, no one knew until like a few minutes beforehand. Just like you know, well-informed pundits yeah. and people talking about Italian politics, and to the extent that I am too, like you you couldn't tell. And so people right. instead we look at these indexes, like literally, like oh the 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 different rate of german and italian 10 year bond yields it's called lo right. spread so it's like the word spread but like in italians know what this means a lot more than like you know anglos do uh and it's like this it's like this taken as this index of like market confidence in italy so throughout the day seeing that up and down going up and down was basically taken of an index of like insider information on who knows whether the government's going to survive or not that's a that's a fun way to discern politics and handle democracy. Right. <laughs> just like we listen to the index to figure out what's going yeah, the, on. The 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 orb of yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess that leads to uh, uh, um, a party that I think I will always be somewhat fascinated with. The the the. <laughs> yeah, the 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 five star movement. Uh, we did an episode a very long time ago about the like. Uh, well, the anti-vaxxer movement within the five-star movement. We talked but about that before, briefly. like in the beginning when they started. <laughs> yeah, to, and then they they thing. they yeah. split off and then uh, made uh, yeah. what is that, Movimento Trente V or something like that. That I don't think went very far. Uh, but no, I'm more obsessed with the um, I forgot their names now, Ariagi or uh, Casaleggi or something. The like Casaleggio. Uh, uh, Casaleggio. That's <laughs> very it. close. Yeah, there we go. Very yeah. close. I didn't have any just, Japanese just, members. <laughs> i'm just throwing sounds out there man yeah. <laughs> but yeah like the the kind of like uh what is it the rousseau system yeah the, like, yeah uh, yeah the where they could see all your private dms that you send as a private like party member and oh you know, no that in italy sounds horrible. See my yeah, private DMs. Yeah, yeah and then the uh the uh, the, f- the father died like gian roberto casaleggio died yeah. who was the own he, he like owned the the internal democratic like voting system that he died and then his son took it over and then he like split and like tried to steal all the names and data yeah uh which is when conte became leader so yeah yeah like the the his the gian roberto like his his claim to fame was holding like an e-commerce like summit like once a year that seemed very like i don't know it seems like the kind of bullshit my work would send me to and i'd be like i hate every second of this (laughs) Uh, um 
But anyway, yeah, so I, I'm kind of curious about Five Star Movement. And I think the thing I'm most curious about is probably the more recent development, which is uh, the fact that like their leader is now Conte, uh, um, the, the former prime minister of Italy, who was, while prime minister, very, very popular. Um, but him becoming leader of the Five Star Movement has not, you know, transferred that popularity to them. And I'm wondering if you could... Uh, uh, elucidate on that or like talking mm-hmm. about like what's happening there well i think uh in f- fairness to conte i mean of course the you know the first government he led uh formed in june 2018 was five star and mm. lager so in that yeah. government that the whole tone was very dominated by the lager like even though you know five star had like a third of the seats in parliament and the Lega had like one six like the Lega really set the tone and even Conte on like kind of immigration and stuff, he basically tacked along with Salvini. Um, but you see, I, I think Conte, who, of course, you know, before he became prime minister, well, I say of course, but yeah, in Italy. So like, you know, before he'd become prime minister, he was like totally unknown, you know, famously, like mm. people like to say, or journalists like to say, uh, he didn't have a Wikipedia page uh, before he became prime minister. Uh, because, of course, when there's some public figure you've not heard of and you're a journalist, the best place to look for information is uh, Wikipedia. Please don't put us on blast of how we research for the show. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I was looking at his, his wiki feet page. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the know. wiki feet page. Yeah. Uh, go on. Yeah. So um, uh, then um, he, um, yeah. So so I think the thing is, Conte wasn't that popular during the first government. The the moment when he became popular was when Renzi. Um, sorry, was when uh, Salvini blew up the the five-star Lega government in summer 2019, trying to force early elections. And then Conte formed the separate government with the Democrats. So it's like this like center-left thing, including f- mm. five-star. So like by that point, five-stars, and you know, at the time, you know, Conte wasn't a five-star member. He was just the prime yeah. minister. Oh, he, you know, he'd been prime minister with that party, with two opposite coalition partners, while not being in it. Um, so, you know, by that point, Five Star had already basically lost about half of its vote because Five Star, most of its voters come from the left or or mm. did in the first, you know, in its first iteration. Like it had very strong support among unemployed people in southern Italy, among uh, white collar workers. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it was... There was a, there was a fair amount of like a, a, a PD voters who were disillusioned with PD also like moved to Five Star Movement, right? Yeah, yeah, Is for sure. Initially? Yeah, definitely. And I think like at first, I mean, I'm not saying it was, I mean, in fact, it, it wasn't at all a party of mm. like, it wasn't like an anti-austerity party or something like that. But then I, I'd say like the dissatisfaction with the Democrats kind of is somehow driven by the fact that they're, you know, perpetually in government and implementing austerity and including with like center-right allies. Uh, so Five Star was always a very like politically odd and eclectic uh, thing. And then basically like its first year or so in government with the Lega went very badly because it just became an appendage to a far-right party. And then I think Conte did give it some more identity. He made it, he was kind of seen as a kind of like quite like affable a uh, guy who um you know was sort of center left in his kind of sentiments uh the the yeah. second Conte government with the democrats uh by way of example uh had as an economic advisor uh, mariana mazzucato the like kind of like keynesian economist who was also like an Wait, advisor the economist yeah yeah oh okay yeah so Weird. so <laughs> like it didn't um so, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to like overstate her real influence on the government. And, you know, one good question, you know, whether she thought she was uh, influential in the government compared to like what the uh, ministers thought. But like, yeah, I mean, like it, and also it did stuff like, you know, there was a, there was this famous thing a few years ago. I, I think it was in, um, you'll forgive me. I think it was in uh, 2019. Uh, the, uh, there was a bridge collapse in Genoa, which killed like 40 people. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah. And and that was like very much blamed on the um, you know, the private company who owned it, which is owned by like the Benettons, uh, you know, the family of the clothes company, and which used to own a Formula One team and oh, so on. Right. No, no, wait, what? Like the Benetton, the Benetton like, like they own a bridge that collapsed. Yeah, yeah, they own like a huge amount of motorways in uh, in uh, throughout this Italy. country's not real. Autostrada per Italia. It was just like a trial or some shit starting about that. Are the Benetton the ads on the bridge. roads? Is there like a like a, a synchronizing, like a, a synergy of the industries? All there of the lanes all, are different colors. Oh, oh hell yeah. Beautiful. 
that's very 80s reference though isn't it because you there's not actually included in their logo anymore anyway but the the point is <laughs> the point is is that yeah so it's like basically in response to that the conte government like very uh, it like kind of part nationalized the the uh, motorway concession which was seen as led to the disaster but this produced a lot of like kind of like um People like Renzi, people like Carlo Cotterelli, who's an economist kind of in the Renzi world, um, or uh, uh, Carlo Calenda, who had been uh, Renzi's finance minister and saw himself as a kind of uh, older, chubbier uh, Emmanuel, Ma- Emmanuel Macron. These kind of like uh, very hawkish, neoliberal, but nominally centre-left people, they started saying, well, Conte represent, you know, he's making Italy into Venezuela. And like, this is like... <laughs> Big state spending, wow. you know, wildly yeah. overstated claims. So, the, yeah. the, sorry, the, well, that's the, the claim you 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 roll that claim out whenever you don't like. Whenever <laughs> anyone spends any money on anything, yeah, it's, it's just Venezuela. Like, well, yeah, you <laughs> want to rebuild the bridge that collapsed? That, that's that's that's. It, yeah. Who are you? Who are you, Nicholas Maduro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maduro? That's Wait, what he, happens in Spain as well. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 Well, uh, Nicky Maduro yeah, wouldn't be able to. Uh, drive his bus unless they put the bridge back together so it makes sense that's right exactly <laughs> oh god i I'm, I'm still stuck on the fact of trying to imagine what would italian macron look like but go on I know. <laughs> so, so i mean so the, if the question is like you know why is he you know why was he popular and why is he now not i mean i think he is mm. popular among us you know, he's popular among a small group like he's you know he has stopped the five-star movement so basically, uh, sorry, so when he was kicked out as prime minister, basically because they brought Draghi mm. in, it, that was the moment that he joined the five-star five yes, movement yeah. and became a leader, including some conflict with Beppe Grillo, who like, uh, if you know the British comedian Jim Davidson is kind of like the Italian equivalent of that uh, kind of... Um, <laughs> I always thought he looked like Billy Conley, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> God. Yeah. So um response. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um so uh he um yeah, so so Conte became the leader and then, you know, I mean he has uh st- I would say he has stemmed its decline in the sense that like mm. it was already at like, you know, fourteen or fifteen percent and it's probably still at eleven percent like a year and a half on. So like he's not done like right. ever so badly. But like the pro- the problem is is that in the government he was basically fighting to defend, you know, under the Draghi government, some of the things that Five Star had brought in that the other parties didn't like. Uh, particularly, uh, there's this thing called reddito di cittadinanza, which literally means uh, citizen's income, but which really is like a conditional job seekers allowance. Uh, and there's also like this uh, this thing, which is like a, a tax credit for um, uh, like re- renovating homes to make them more energy efficient. So these were like two of the things Five Star is seen as having achieved. Draghi and the others were talking about rolling it back. And so he caused a fuss saying, like, we're being ignored and trampled on. And, and it was that, that that kind of prompted the the, the final couple of weeks of crisis of the uh, Draghi government, because Conte said, we're not going to go on uh, if we're you know, yeah. just going to get nothing from this. So I, I guess to like summarize, then the, the answer to this question would be more like, uh, uh, Conte did kind of transfer his popularity to Five Star Movement, because you're saying without Conte, Five Star Movement would probably be like, further down the polls now yeah maybe for, like doing yeah, yeah. For, for sure i mean i mean i'm not saying he's uh, you know i mean of, of course overall it's a party very much on the on the way down uh because it's lost its initial uh energy and and sort of pattern of being sort of outsiderish and new and modern um and as, as i expect if we go on to talk about the lega and even if we talk about the fratelli d'italia like there's this mm. it's quite common in italian politics for there to be a huge bubble of support for something which then very quickly uh, deflates and them not really leaving any uh, political traces. So, you know, the Five Star Movement has split a lot and has a lot of like internal conflict among its like historic leaders. Uh, and, you know, currently uh, it's on its way to becoming a very junior partner of the, uh, the so-called center-left coalition. Right. And I, I guess that does lead me to uh, PD then, because the I'm kind of curious... Is there anything that they're offering this election or or currently, I guess, I, I'm not sure if like electoral season has really started per se, but um, are they offering anything other than we are not the right wing? Like, is, is... <laughs> um, no, I mean, in, I mean, one of one of the remarkable <laughs> things is that, the, the I mean, to be honest, the, you know, the, the election was basically called on Thursday 
my New York Times article came out on Friday and the, the first couple of days afterwards, most people were talking about that. I mean, like if you, yeah. if you, if you believe the Italian press, then basically like, you know, Silvio Berlusconi read my article and then decided that Giorgio Milani shouldn't be prime minister because she'll scare the Americans. Um, oh, damn, what? <laughs> so, and there's a lot of this yeah, kind just, of, you know, flex, flex yeah, king. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's an instrument of my will now. Um, so, yeah. so, so, so like, I mean, this, um, I mean, I, th- I think the thing is also because because of the um, because in the end, uh, uh, Forza Italia, which is Berlusconi's party, and the Lega mm. didn't support Draghi in the in the final moment. They basically withdrew their support and uh, in order to make the election happen. Um, that's led to several quite important figures leaving Forza Italia, who are like people who see themselves as more like kind of pro-European and centrist and you know, people who've been in, in government with the Democrats before. And, and of course, all of them were in government together with, under Draghi. But, you know, that, that kind of thing has happened a lot, this kind of pact of the centre-right and centre-left. So, for example, uh, Renato Brunetta, who's like a very important leader of Forza Italia, uh, quit the party. And so the last few days have seen figures like that very much hailed by the Democrats as like, you know, this is the responsible centre-right we can work with. Um, so, so really, I think they're trying to create a split between the kind of unacceptable and extremist right, and then instead those who they basically agree with on, on most key issues and who they're just a bit more socially liberal than. Right. Yeah. So, and at the same time, very. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. So, so, just the other thing is that also because of the way the government fell apart, the Democrats are very much going on the idea that, like, you know, the, the draggy government was working, the irresponsible right have thrown us into chaos. And so they are uh, trying to make, you know, they're very strongly identifying themselves with Draghi. And it's something we've seen the Democrats do a lot before, even since the the, the party's formation in, in 2007-8, which is to use um, like um, these central bankers, these unelected figures as like the key ministerial roles in order to help portray the party itself as like the party of Italian institutions. Uh, so I think like they may include some left-wing figures within their candidates uh but broadly i mean i, I don't see them at, at all uh deviating from the from the the path of the previous uh, government fair enough speaking of uh previous governments uh uh to you know very uh, uh seamlessly transition uh, um <laughs> one of the, one of the things uh um that this is all kind of reminding me of is um the rise of lega Mm-hmm. Uh, back in, I guess, 2018. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, when talking about uh, a five-star movement, like while they were the biggest party in parliament and in government, like Salvini was playing them like a balalaika as like interior minister from mm-hmm. 2018 to 2019. He was he was calling the shots. He was taking a lot of media attention. Uh, and interior ministry is like the ministry any of these kind of parties like want uh, um, whenever they go into coalition. He, he got what he wanted there. Uh, um, so I'm kind of curious. Uh, uh, this will lead us into our conversation about Fratelli d'Italia, but um, how is this different from what we saw in 2018 with Salvini and Lega? Is this have we not been here before? Yeah, that's that's kind of a mm-hmm. question, I guess. Well, the thing is with with both cases actually is that both of them have a, have like already been through a process of becoming. Um, significant parties and then declining so already in the 1990s um both the lega and the msi as you know fratelli d'italia is basically the party that in the 90s was called msi it was the old like neo-fascist party so in the 90s berlusconi brought both of them into government with him as junior allies and then they declined but then you know these are parties which like unlike five-star movement they built up you know or you know they had like you know tens or say low hundreds of thousands of members they have like local branches um you know they have a real party with its own like culture and politics which is able to like survive temporary setbacks in a way yeah, which i think MSI had like a like had a ground movement as well kind of like somewhat similar to like golden dawn and, and mm-hmm. greece they were actually doing things on the street are you talking about casa pound oh. No, no, MSI. Oh, okay. Movimento Social Italiano. Oh, okay. Because there was also that group as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Pound House. Yeah, I mean, Italian fascists, <laughs> Italian fascists are like Trotskyists. There's like a million groups. 
Um, yeah. and, <laughs> uh, and some of them are in the Labour Party or in this case, Fratelli d'Italia. Uh, but like, yeah. so, 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 yeah, I mean, like, so, I mean, but I think the difference, so I think it's, you know, in 2018-19, uh, what basically happened is under Salvini's leadership, the Lega, which had previously been a, a party restricted to northern Italy, only in the, you know, so it had basically in the north, it had these historic heartlands where it controlled the regional governments, but, but it was always a junior partner to Berlusconi. In the 2018 elections, it overtook Berlusconi for the first time. Then over the next year or so, it hoovered up a lot of Berlusconi's votes and therefore reached like 30%. But it was always a bit um, based on nothing, like because, you know, it, it never really built organization in southern Italy. Hmm. Um, so then it still had the it still had the past of viewing southern Italy as a bunch of like lazy oafs that were dragging down the whole country, right? That was that was kind yeah, of yeah, for sure. Words platform, yeah. So they they so you know they stopped talking about that and became a more all Italian nationalist party. But mm. firstly, Five Star was quite strong in the south anyway, so so which kind of limited its potential space for growth, I think, for a new party. But really, what I'm saying is like the Lega was a party that built up a you know, like a historic mass party created in the late 80s and early 90s. So in the North, it had those kind of structures. Then Salvini's media profile and social media allowed it to have a bubble of support. But then when he was out of government again, it like fell away very quickly. And so Milani has in turn benefited from that. Uh, in a way, I think like, I think there's two things. One of which is that okay, overall, even as the parties come and go, the overall landscape is shifting to the right because the space for like any kind of social alternative is ever less. And then the kind of like the right is taking these increasingly extreme forms. Um, but then I also think that the Fratelli d'Italia will probably be even more short-lived than the Lega, uh, because while the Lega controls the regional governments of like uh, some of the richest and most important regions in Italy, like for example, uh, the Lega controls Lombardy, you know, the region of Milan, which alone is like a quarter of Italian GDP. Uh, whereas like Fratelli d'Italia only control a couple of regional governments in very small uh, and marginal regions. So I think like if Milani got into government, although, you know, lots of dangerous stuff could happen, uh, including in crisis circumstances, but I, I'd actually question how uh, how viable uh, Fratelli d'Italia is as a party that's going to like rebuild the Italian right around itself. Okay, so yeah, there's kind of a a, um, a musical chairs kind of system going on here because I ha I have been paying attention to like aggregate polls like as best I can, and it did basically seem like the rise of Fratelli Italia was like pretty much one for one with the fall of La Lega. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think it's true. Yeah. Right wing voters are shifting. I mean, there are some differences in who votes for which right wing party, but yeah, I mean, I think like it's. I don't exactly, you know, I'm, I'm slightly unwilling to say it's just a bubble of support because I think it also has a long way to go. Uh, but I think there's also lots of things you can look at in Fratelli d'Italia and see that there's quite a gap between their real like strength in depth and their real like uh, presence in Italian society and then the current like wave of popularity which they're enjoying, which to me seems uh, somewhat superficial. Sure. And uh, um, I guess moving on to them, the, the kind of like, you know the 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 topic of today, the, the the topic everyone's talking about, which is this party for Italia. Italia. I mean, I've heard you describe them as uh, you did have, as you say, the the New York Times piece, kind of describe them as a, a post-fascist, and I'm I'm kind of curious what that means exactly, or like how does this differ from? I I wasn't real, you know, I, I was a kid for when this happened, but the rise of Berlusconi was kind of viewed as this like insane thing that happened mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious and now he's like considered you know you know it, it leaves merkel basically like yeah, the, yeah. the center right <laughs> well. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so i'm kind of uh, uh curious what like fratelli Italia is like what would a, a fratelli Italia government look like mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah. i think the thing with berlusconi i mean the obvious parallel i mean of course like i myself have made the parallel of berlusconi and trump but you could even say that mm. the real parallel is like berlusconi and george w bush in the sense that there's you know at the time he was seen as like uniquely awful and fascist but now has actually yeah. become as you said like yeah. yeah as the like the good old right wing which isn't like terrifying and fascist 
but mm. I think like in, in fact he's in, our sex pest for Italy, <laughs> you know for 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 Greater Italy. Um, I still think the funniest thing is that my mom has voted for Berlusconi multiple times. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Simply, yeah, I, I I don't know why. He's Italian. Yeah. Uh, yes. Everyone running for Italian government's Italian. No, 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 no. You can, you, wow. can, you can. They're all. They're all secret Greeks. <laughs> this is the real. Yeah. Italian. Okay. True. Yeah. I think she no, made her choice because she was a a true patriot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But I, think, I, but I mean. Okay. So I. I think like. Um. I'm not saying like, and you know, a lot of the way my article was like very misinterpreted as, as just saying like, oh yeah, Italy is headed towards fascism. So I'm not saying that. Sure. It, it's like, I th- in fact, I think precisely the reason why the why Fratelli d'Italia is interesting is because it actually is the old fascist party, but changing with the times. Like it, all of its leaders, uh, well, okay, a very large majority of its main leaders come from the history of the MSI, which is the party created mm. by neo-fascists in 1946. And it's very much determines its identity and it, indeed its separateness from, like, say, the Lega or Forza Italia. Maybe the voters move around a lot, but, like, the cadres, the structures, the ideas of the party are inherited. So, like, even from the 50s, neo-fascists always have this uh, slogan, which is, we want neither to restore the regime nor to renege on it. Like, we won't apologize, but we wouldn't do it again. And like, I think basically all along, it's always basically behaved like this. And like, but I think the difference now is it kind of, it's it's very unwilling to talk about fascism at all, but it does want to talk a lot about communists. And it has this like very obsessive focus on these themes like, oh, the Italians killed by Yugoslav partisans in World War II. Sure, uh, yeah. So, so, so it's always trying to... um and it's always trying to legitimize these kind of figures who are kind of like, you know, kind of like Italian schindlers, uh, you know, kind of like figures who were like fascists, but then like they turned and they became good. And then they use that to, so, so, you know, who's to say that all fascists were criminals? Yeah, como se dice uh, uh, Graf Stauffenberg, uh, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, so there was this, um, so, and also they always say it's just irrelevant, just something the left brings up to Yes, yes, throw yes, mud yeah, on no, them. They're exactly like Vox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, PTSD. Well, I, one of the members of Fratelli d'Italia we've talked about in the past on the show is Caio Mussolini, uh, um, mm-hmm. the the I guess grand nephew. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's himself. the great grandson. Uh, great grandson, right? Yeah, but also the the uh, one of the uh, granddaughters, uh, Raquele, who is Alessandra's half sister. Is uh, right. she actually came first in the local council elections in Rome, like last year? Oh yeah, yeah I know mm. that. Yeah, and then her that, son that... plays for La- no, no, no. So it's uh, Alessandra's son plays for Lazio. For Lazio, yeah, of, of course. course he fucking does. Of course he plays for Lazio. <laughs> and so, uh, of course, damn. who else? Yeah, Come who on. else would take him? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of clubs that, that would take him. I take that back. Someone but, making yeah. the jersey, being like, "Is this a typo? It's not. Okay, I'll just <laughs> write this up." So uh, uh, the, t- the times gets the Lazio fans more just you know excited than having a Mussolini definitely, on their team. Definitely, definitely. Uh, oh it's always weird the when they're chanting I, uh, yeah. "Duce, Duce, Duce" during the game, and he's like not not even come on the pitch yet. <laughs> but then um yeah but that was something that Caio Mussolini said a lot like he he has all these kind of rants about like thought police and stuff like that naturally wow. enough but like he he has very expressly said that a comment that I found very funny is like fascism is a thing that happened between like 1920 something and it abruptly ended in 1945 yeah, sure. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. ended, just like that it was over yeah. and he All said good. if i remember correctly he said that in front of the uh the square coliseum yeah, yeah. they all like to stand in front <laughs> you of mean, you mean you mean Fendi's headquarters Fendi's headquarters yeah 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 the, um, which is also like uh, Bertusconi's uh, the famous Bertusconi song she hear the song beautiful women. Yeah. the yeah. beautiful women the beautiful song? women yeah. song yeah. yeah that's also the ending shot of that is them all in front of the square <laughs> yeah, Coliseum they just, they're big fans of Fendi I don't know what you're talking yeah, about yeah exactly yeah um, yeah I, I, it's very near the central state archive like the interior ministry archive so I actually used to, when I was researching in Rome I used to walk past it almost every day and uh, it's a, yeah, a phenomenal Get some Fendi, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I even uh, I even brought my dad and his wife there on a tour of Rome to show them something a lot of people don't get to see. So that was fun for oh, them. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, the, you know, and also like, you know, Raquele Mussolini, when she was elected um, to the Roman Council, they, they interviewed her in, um, I can't remember what, what uh, newspaper. And she said this thing, which was like, oh, yeah, like when I was in the playground, people would point at me and make fun of my surname. But now they see the real person. And it's like, because you became like a fascist politician. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, can, we can't really throw this insult at you I- I- anymore. You've kind of actually just, you know, adopted. It's like Normanist yeah. Omen in this case. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also they, have, they always have this thing, which is like, oh, well, we can't be fascist because we already, you know, we won elections, we take part. You know, we've been in, we've had in ministers. Democracy. Yeah, and it's like, well, fascists have never ran. Look for at elections. us, we're doing democracy over here. <laughs> yeah, that just no fascists. I, I, so literally, like, oh yeah, the kids are picking on me because I'm a fascist. Well, jokes on you, I actually am a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so uh, and yeah, I mean, like yesterday, I was debating this woman called um, uh, Daniela Santanque, who's like a senator for Fratelli d'Italia on TV. And she just kept saying, oh, like, like, you know, you said about, uh, Kyle said like, oh, well, fascism is just a thing from the last century. If you're a historian, you should know that. And I was like, well, as a historian, I actually looked up your, uh, like debate with Alessandra Mussolini from 2008, where you said that, uh, she, uh, her grandfather should be rolling in his grave because she'd betrayed him. Yeah, uh, and like well, proudly called yourself yeah. a fascist so that wasn't really in the last century because it was like 14 years ago <laughs> um yeah she's uh, alessandra we've, we've covered before is a bit of the the outcast amongst the 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 remain the other remaining mussolini's mm-hmm. uh, uh, for attacking too much to the center i guess from was their she perspective. the one who had beef with jim carrey yes yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. after that he drew so the funny. hanging yeah. mussolini yeah she's, <laughs> she's a very petty individual as far as i can tell yeah. Um, she's 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 received crank phone calls before about like, people <laughs> claiming to represent the like uh, uh, um, agency for changing embarrassing names. Oh, and oh, like wow. the person on the phone was suggesting Masolini and stuff. Like that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I it's she made a lot of comments angry about it, thinking it was a real institution. I I don't think it was ever. I don't think she ever remarked upon or made any kind of comment that indicates that she realized it was a crank call. I love that if I look um, her up on Google, the very first thing that comes up is your name, David. Oh, really? Oh, what? seriously? So you googled Alessandra no, Mussolini, and the first thing that came up was no, 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 my no, no, name. No, 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 no. Sorry, no, wait, no. Uh, uh, Daniela. Sa- oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Sorry, I was curious because <laughs> of um, something that you mentioned earlier about her that that you're going to obviously get to. But. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I, I, I think this kind of does. Uh, um, actually, do you, do you want to expand? Because we're kind of talking about it now. Because uh, do you want to expand on the response to the New York Times article? Uh, we'll link to the the article in, in, mm-hmm. in the show notes, but uh, yeah. I thought it was a very reasonable, uh, uh, um, you know, description of Fratelli d'Italia, who they are, and what what their their rise. Um, I believe people in Italy had a very different take, or some <laughs> people did. Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So I think the thing is, really, the article isn't about Italy alone, or you know, it's it's about like what's happening here is becoming a model for other countries, like um, mm-hmm. because of course, you know, I mean, the Vox is a good example because. Meloni, Meloni herself went to the uh, went to Marbella oh, for God, the yeah. the regional election in Andalusia like a month ago and gave a speech to a Vox rally and obviously Vox is like Ooh. trying to and you know, even I think it's the uh, what region it's called like Castilla uh, Leon no? it's like already in the government together with the Partido Popular so my point is yeah. that the whole point of the article is that the barriers between uh, you know, ex-fascist or collaborationist, you know, or self-described ex, you know, these parties of a collaborationist or fascist past are becoming an, a normal part of the centre-right. Like, that's the argument of the article. And within that, I say, it's not just, you know, it, it's too simplistic to just say, um, and, you know, we read it a lot with, like, terrible writers like Peter Conradi in The Times, who are just like, oh, like, um, it used to be radical and fascist, but actually some of what they say is quite reasonable, and, you know, they don't really talk about fascism very much. So, uh, <laughs> so, so my point is that it's not just like, oh, yeah, they became mainstream because they came less right-wing. It's that they are succeeding in changing the terms of political debate. So, you know, mm. for me, and, you know, again, it's like, I, so I think like, um, you know, Fratelli d'Italia isn't like the same as fascism in the past, but then it's an addictive case because it is, it actually has organizational continuity with fascism. So we can see how it fits into a different context. Like obviously like no mass politics, 
uh, no mass parties, you know, a much lev- lower level of social conflict than in firstly the 20s when fascists first came to power, but even compared to the kind of uh, neo-fascism of the 70s uh, when the left and the Communist Party were very strong. So what we see with Fratelli d'Italia now is like a party with a fascist past and an identity drawn from that, but which also doesn't have like the same kind of, it doesn't interact with the left in the same way because the left like basically doesn't exist. Um, so like, uh, you know, my point was basically like Fratelli d'Italia has adopted all of these positions of like being basically okay with the European Union, as indeed is Vox, mm. as indeed is Rassemblement National, uh, being, uh, having this Atlanticist foreign policy, being like super for Ukraine, uh, or this kind of thing, being for NATO, as you know, indeed the party has been since the 50s. And basically what it's done is it's replaced a explicitly fascist identity with like a very aggressively anti-communist and anti-Muslim one, uh, which though, mm. you know, it's not just like, oh yeah, they have a poster of Mussolini in their you know, bedroom. It's like they advocate, like, or they, you know, they talk about like great replacement theory, which yeah, yeah. I think really is the is the pretty much like definitional of whether you're a fascist or not. Is whether yeah, you, you kind of can't like come back from that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it's like a conspiracy theorist party which believes that uh, the Ital- or claims that the Italian. Uh, population is in, in danger of being destroyed and therefore it needs to uh, form a government that will uh, ban the left and rewrite the italian constitution to and uh, you know stop immigration so you know you i mean we can argue like you know of course it's not the same as historical fascism but then you know there's a lot of relationship going on there um and indeed like the reaction to of my article to my article by um you know, so some of the like kind of center left papers, like La Repubblica and uh, Huffington Post, which which kind of translated most of the article uh, within its own report about the article, um, mm. they basic <laughs> you know, their basic message is like this article is like the Americans are unhappy. This article is <laughs> like yeah, is like oh you know kind of foreign yeah, it's like the U.S. opinion is against Maloney. It's waking up to what's happening. Broder is this like so-called authoritative writer. Uh, in fact, there's a there's a Washington Post <laughs> wow. there's a Washington Post journalist called David Broder who died in 2011. Who's like who used to be called like the, the dean of Washington. He was like very like centrist and bipartisan, all this kind of shit. So like hmm. Yahoo News actually ran my article, or you know, like a translation of part of my article with like a f- uh, the title, like legendary writer, David Broder says such and <laughs> oh, such. Damn, look at yes. you. Look at you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. And then, and then like, uh, but then some of the people from Fratelli d'Italia, including uh, Giorgio Meloni, and then this guy called Ignazio La Russa, who is an extremely oh, com- comical figure. Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, like, so he's the kind of guy who would like go on, t- like, there's a famous one when he was defense minister, he went on TV and debated the student leader. And he like just shouted like, <laughs> you fucking sissy, you fucking coward at him for like fully oh. like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, and he's like, oh, I thought he was, I thought he was gonna do like funny things in Italy, like being polite to a woman or something like that. Or <laughs> mm, he's more know. the kind of fascist salute in Parliament. Uh, right. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, that that's the Bulgarian guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like it's not like oh, like look at this six-year-old boy, like you know, be nice to a girl, no. and yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing of like he, he Italian need... clickbait. That's like here's a child who's not sexist. You, you, you need to. You need to... <laughs> You need to you need to up the game. You have on like Greek political TV starting fist fights and stuff. So like yeah, true. Yeah, I was actually so speaking of exactly like the pad. Like I think it's always funny that then this is like the third or fourth time that we've done an episode of either Greece or Italy back to back. Oh yeah, and the parallels are always there. Like I think mm. that then we mentioned too in like the last episode about how like New Democracy is doing this exact same platform that while like you know like Fratelli d'Italia is a much smaller party than New, New Democracy it's like yeah the the Absor- absorbing kind of yeah like the, the, either just absorbing yeah, the fascism the fascist yeah, yeah. yeah. or yeah. that you oh, know Gre- uh, New Democracy's yeah. roots are from a lot of very you know yeah weird uh, you know oh that's uh, old that's yeah, old fascists old yeah old like yeah, metoxists yeah. and it's stuff a, it's like that it's a different that. process because rather than a new party coming in and shifting things to yeah. the right this yeah. same party is always there but it's still shifting yeah. things yeah. to the and they're pro pro EU, uh, you know. They Germany loves them obviously yeah. because and shit. And uh, they're so pro EU, they love defending the borders of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I mean this this trend is is just something that then, yeah, I think that then it's like 
you can always have the bad boys like the Orbans or like, you know, well, Poland, you know, right, Orban needs the EU. Yeah. Come on. But at the end of the day, is that like the real the real harbingers of fascism are like where it's far more normalized in in mm-hmm. like in that. I think that it's I yeah, this is a trend I don't like seeing, you know, just engulf everywhere in Europe. But here we are, 2022, baby. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Golden Dawn comparison is interesting. Uh, although, as you, you know, you're right to say that the diff, you know, new democracy and Fratelli d'Italia have different, very different roots. But like in uh, the Italian case too, like after the uh, there's this group called Forza Nuova who are like a, a much more explicitly fascist group. But who yeah, have that sounds like it. <laughs> so they have their headquarters in a building owned by the foundation owned by Fratelli d'Italia. And oh, uh, Forza Nuova was banned after there was a, an anti-vax demo in um, October last year where they like um, like invaded and smashed up the main trade unions headquarters. Uh, yeah, so for- I remember that actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an attack, yeah. So Forza Nuova was then banned, but then lots of its officials just passed into Fratelli d'Italia. So it's like, who is, you know, who (laughs) is like hegemonizing who, you know? Uh, And, you know, all the time, I mean, there's loads of evidence of like fascist nostalgism in Fratelli d'Italia, never mind the fact it talks about great replacement theory. Yeah, I mean, I I think the, Mm. the problem a lot of liberals have is that they want to be like, ah, well, yeah, secretly Fratelli d'Italia wants to leave the EU or doesn't really support Ukraine or something. I think that's just not like, you know, the point of my article is it, it's basically using those issues to say we're responsible and we've changed, as indeed the MSI did even from like the 1950s by being an anti-communist yeah. party. But then at home, they're just like totally reactionary and engaging. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think the, the the liberals are constantly seeking this like shibboleth, this quick way to tell like you are a good party or a bad party, mm-hmm. and they're constantly coming up like like not working basically. Like um, there there was a point like to a uh, uh, national rally or like Front National was more anti EU at one point, but they're not anymore, and it wasn't really that difficult for them to change their position on that. Just change your name. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah rebrand. <laughs> yeah, and, and but of course, even to begin, I mean, even in the 80s, um, Jean-Marie Le Pen uh, was quite uh, pro-European. Like they used to play mm-hmm. the Ode to Joy at their rallies because fascists have always loved... Oh, God, fascists have, shit. Al- fascists have always loved the idea of a Europe independent from both the USA and Russia. Oh, so, yeah, so like, you know, they change back and forth. But like, if you look at the kind of voters who vote for these... Uh, parties like of course there's like a blue collar element and they're always you know they're always you know these parties are always trans classist but you know that most of their base don't want to like bump out of the eu because they lose all their savings basically if it went out the euro so i think there's no chance mm. of that uh well there's no chance of them deliberately making that happen let's say um mm. so um yeah and i think you know in france too you see the example of in france there's the republicans the old center-right gaullist party and then you know their most popular leader at the moment eric ciotti is someone who oh yeah mm-hmm. you know he he basically wants to do what zimor failed to do he wants to be the leader of the union of the right like bring together the historically opposed uh families mm-hmm. you know so uh so um yeah, so I mean, that's the thesis of my uh, article as well, which is just like these mm. barriers are breaking down, and it's not just because the most extremist elements are becoming less so. Right, and uh, I'm getting very conscious of time, so I, I just want to uh, turn the mic to you and uh, say, is there is there anything uh, uh, you want to end on? Is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered that you feel is important for our listeners to understand about what Italy's going through at the moment? Or Who, who should I vote for? Yeah, who should, who should we vote for? <laughs> Yeah, Italy, uh, Nick's got a vote, uh, so uh, uh, what's going on there? It, well, it depends if you want to back the, uh, you know, go with, go along with the uh, win, the bandwagon. Um, oh yeah, you just yeah, <laughs> vote for Italian. Yeah, yeah, who are the who are the equivalent of the New York Yankees of Italian <laughs> politics, baby? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think I mean the situation on the left is like very miserable. I mean, there's this like mm. small, there's this like oh small. Uh, uh, okay, there's these centre-left parties called like the Greens and Sinistra Italiana, who are like very soft left, like more. Uh, yeah, I mean, but even the so-called Italian le- Sinistra Italiana, Italian left, are more like Greens than like parties like Dilinka or France and Semis or something. So, I mean, right. they'll they'll get into Parliament and they'll be a small leftish force. 
anything to the left of that seems quite unlikely to get any MPs. Uh, there'll be an alliance led by the uh, Luigi Di Magistris, who was mayor of Naples, with some of the kind of like the, what remains of Rifondazione Comunista and uh, Poteria Popolo and so on. So, you know, you could vote for them, but uh, they, I, I would say, you know, I don't know. But it seems to me they're unlikely I, to qualify. I don't vote in Italian elections, even though I can. You I can. do. Okay. Yeah, I can. I and got I, another letter for you. I, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know it's, it's too late it, now. I yeah, think it's fine. <laughs> um, I've but, accepted that. Then I'll never. I'll never make a a, a good decision in this country if I were, <laughs> if I were to vote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you know the situation is very uh, hopeless. I mean, what I'd say though is I, I kind of think like if. Fratelli d'Italia did become the leading force in a government of the, you know, it currently looks in the polls like the parties of the right added together have a majority, assuming they do indeed run an alliance. Uh, mm. You know, there's some tensions between them because the others aren't very happy to have Milani as the like the one leader. Also, because already in the polls, uh, Fratelli d'Italia is more than Lega plus Forza Italia combined. So those yeah. other right-wing parties are more conscious that like maybe that's not the best thing for them. And like maybe Forza Italia, which is like hemorrhaging uh, officials at the moment, might, you know, if the, if the result is ambiguous, there's a good chance that they'll go in with the centre-left. And mm. even if Maloney does become prime minister, I mean, if we think of like the energy crisis and like um, stuff like that, you know, like the inflationary crisis and so on, I think it's quite easy that the coalition behind her could start to crack up. Like, I mean, it's not like inevitable that she'll win or that it will last. You know, she, you know, if Fratelli d'Italia did as well as it currently looks, they're going to be scoring like 24, 25% of the vote in an election with 60% turnout. So it's not like they're like representing the huge majority, uh, really is what I'm, what I'm saying. So I think, you know, there's also a good chance that we'll get some sort of like centrist technocratic fudge which then probably will allow Fratelli d'Italia to continue growing. So, uh, yeah, so the, the options are all bad, but uh, I think Fratelli d'Italia is, uh, is a very uh, troubling <laughs> troubling. Thing. And uh, uh, with that, uh, um, David, thank you very much for uh, uh, coming on to the podcast. Is there uh, anywhere people can find you if they want more, uh, if they want more David Broder in their lives? <laughs> um i'm not sure i'd advise them of that um but um <laughs> i mean my twitter is broderly like my name my surname and ly uh so yeah follow me there and uh, i write for jacobin of course so i'll probably be doing a little more about italy for them fair enough uh cool we will link to that all in the description uh and yeah thanks again for coming on no thanks for having me